The following audio is from Gold Country Baptist Church in Shingle Springs, California. Visit gcb.church to find more resources and to learn about our church. Okay, so for those of you that don't know me, my name is Becky Cody, um, and those that have known me a long time, I was Becky Cote, same person, but we go by either one. And um, we actually, uh, Michael and myself, have been uh, members of Gold Country Baptist Church for 32 years. We've got a couple other people that beat us, but um, yeah, yeah, we've been a part of the uh, church body for 32 years. So, um, and we have three daughters that we raised um, at the church too, which are now grown with their own children. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and start, and then um, Michael's going to come after me. So, as a small child, I had lots of energy, and I had to always go to bed early, because I think my mom needed a break from us kids. There were four of us, and we were rambunctious, and as a consequence, I can remember um, going to bed, it's still light out, I'm not tired, so um, I had a lot of time to think because I wasn't tired that early. So when I was eight years old, the Holy Spirit was drawing me in recognizing actually uh, creation. You know, and I'm just eight years old, but I'm thinking, hmm, the sun comes up every morning and rises in the evening and I looked around, you know, in my surroundings and it just seemed to me that there was, and it, it's easy to look out here too, isn't it? When you see the beauty of the trees and all the surroundings, but um, I knew that there was somebody out there greater than me. And for those of you that grew up in a Christian home, that may not seem like a big deal. But I didn't grow up in a Christian home. So anyways, um, I thought, you know, there is somebody out there greater than me. So I had never read the Bible, much less um, about, I didn't even know what the Bible was at eight, right? I had never heard of it. And so I came from a family that um, they weren't Christian. Mom and dad had... um, strong work ethics, and they knew right from wrong, but there was no spiritual aspect from our our rearing. And so um, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was revealing to me about about creation. And I think of Romans 1, 18 to 20, that says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which we may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has revealed it to them. For the invisible things of creation of the world are clearly seen and being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. And so they are without excuse. It was not long after that that I was invited by my best childhood friend, Dale, and to go to vacation Bible school with her family. And I didn't know what that was either. 
But I thought, okay, I'll go. And so, um, and her family went to church. Our family didn't. So I thought, okay, that sounds like fun. So <clears throat> I heard about Jesus Christ for the very first time when I was about eight years old. And um, that really hit me. And I remember learning about his, just the general principles about his life, his death, and his resurrection. And I'm pretty sure, because it was a while ago, but I remember John 3.16, you know, and that's a, one of the most common verses that people hear. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And that really hit me. And the other thing that was kind of strange was it's the first time I had ever heard about the concept of eternal life. You know, you're eight years old, you don't know about spiritual things, and then you learn you're going to live forever. And I'm like, that kind of scared me. And um, it did until I really um, came to grips with that. It was, it was a frightening thing for me. And um, I was, and then I, you know, I, I wanted this Jesus, but I only know little, I only knew bits and pieces of them. So uh, what happened was, is I was moving um, slowly in, in the direction of my faith because my parents uh, were not believers. We didn't own a Bible. I'd, I'd never heard except that little bit that I heard in vacation Bible school. And um, so what happened was, is I didn't find out this until later, but most of my family were not believers, even aunts, uncles, gr grandparents. But I did have a grandfather that was a believer. And I learned later that he prayed for all eight of his grandchildren. And my grandma told me this even when she wasn't a believer, she said, you know, your grandfather prays for you all every day. That really touched me. Um, sadly, those people are um, my brother, two sisters, and four cousins. And actually, to this day, I don't think any of them walk with the Lord except myself. Um, so we moved from uh, the Chicago area. And we moved out to um, more of small towns. And I remember we went to, I think it was a United Methodist Church. And they didn't really talk much about the gospel there, but they, I did get a Bible. Uh, we went occasionally. We usually went twice a year, Christmas and Easter. And um, I remember getting a Bible and thinking, ooh, I need to read this. And so I just opened it up, and I remember read. I mean, the pages just came alive to me. And I kept just reading it, and um, I just thought, wow. You know, I was getting a little bit more knowledge of who Jesus was. And um, in my early teens, I, I read through the whole Bible, and I just remember thinking, wow. And I, I remember being convicted. <clears throat> Um, I don't know that it was Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but I did, I was very aware that um, I was a sinner and that I needed 
I needed a savior. And so I actually accepted the Lord somewhere in there um, as my Lord and savior. But uh, my growth without my parents' direction was a little bit, it was a little challenging because my family, um, they would tell their friends, oh yeah, Becky, she's just going through this Jesus phase. And rather than, of course, encouraging me, they tried to discourage me. And um, my, my dad said, you know, you're really kind of foolish. Why would you believe in something that most of the world thinks is nothing but a myth? And I said, you know, truth doesn't depend on how many people believe or not. That's, that's irrelevant. And um, I used to have a lot of debates with my dad. And, and then one time I was reading, and I remember my brother came up, grabbed my Bible, threw it on the ground, and stomped on it. So um, I kind of felt like I was a salmon swimming upstream. And um, it, was, it was a challenge. And so, but the Lord got a hold of my heart, and um, I wasn't, I knew he wasn't going to let go. And so it, it made me think of Matthew seven thirteen to 14 that says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I believe the Lord was drawing me. He drew me early in life because I was sort of a, I was a naughty child. Um, I was very mischievous. Um, I loved uh, accepting dares. So I did a lot of stupid stuff as a kid. And so um, I, 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 the joke is I always feel like there were extra guardian angels over me because I was always in trouble. So I really believe that um, the Lord saved me at a young age so that I could avoid a lot of pitfalls. So anyways, um, I repented and, uh, you know, followed Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But I knew, I knew that um, it, it wasn't, a, a lot of people think, okay, you say this little prayer and you're good to go. But no, um, I knew that it would be a lifelong process. And so um, I like what Thessalonians 4, 1 to 5 says that finally brothers and sisters we ask and urge you in the lord jesus that as you learn from us how you ought to live and to please god you are um, as you are doing you should do so more and more for you know what instructions we gave you through the lord jesus for this is the will of god your sanctification that you abstain from fornication that each one of you know how to control your own body in holiness and honor not with lustful passions like the Gentiles do, that don't know God. And so, um, so I knew um, that Christ's love, too, for me, didn't depend upon my own good deeds, because it says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his love for us, you know, while we were yet sinners. And so Christ died for us. So as a believer in Christ, for many years, I honestly can say that I'm compelled through his Holy Spirit to do good works for the Lord.
but not to earn favor from him, but rather because of my deep love and gratitude, uh, which, which um, I like what it says in Ephesians 2, 1 through 8, that, or 1 through 10. And um, you were dead, though your trespasses and sins in which you once lived followed the course of this world, following the ruler and the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of the flesh and senses. We were by nature children of wrath, like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he may show his immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, and this is not of yourself, um, and um, it's through faith, and this um, it is a gift of God, not a, the result of works, so that no one may boast. But, for we are what he made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before us and for a way of life. And I, and I love that. And um, also, when I look back and I think about um, the different failures and victories in my life, I think... Um, I think that I didn't give over the power of control to the Holy Spirit. In other words, I didn't surrender to him in those times that I failed because I wanted to be in control. And I think that we as believers need to imitate Christ in humility. And I love what it says in Philippians 2, 1 through 8. Um, this is uh, one of our favorite passages. And it says, if then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from the love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but consider others better than yourselves. Let each one look not only on his own interest, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So, um, so yeah. So that's basically what I wanted to say, and um, Michael will kind of continue. So, go ahead. Continue. Of course, everybody's everybody's story is different. Um, I'm Michael Cody, obviously, 
And again, we've been attending this church for 32 years. We've been going to church every lots of places for all 47 years we've been married. So um, it's been a growing process. But my start was I grew up as a, as a Catholic in a Catholic family family of nine children. I was the second of nine children. So I had a lot of responsibilities with lots of sisters to help my mother cope with everything. Um, but my father was a very kind and faithful man who had faith in God. And, you know, we don't really think of Catholics as really having the right um, doctrine. And, you know, he didn't. Um, he didn't really read the Bible very much, but he did have a faith in God that kind of rubbed off on me. And that's why I'm wearing my prop, my hat. This is my dad's hat that he got from being a veteran in uh, World War II from 1943 to 1945, and he needs to be honored. He used to tell us all kinds of stories about the war. Is it okay if I was a little closer? Oh, sure. Yeah. If you can still see. I, I think I can. Okay. <laughs> um, and my father was very, very faithful in attending his services and took, me, took all our, us kids from a very young age. So we were exposed to church and mentioned stories about Christ and that kind of stuff. We also went to a thing called catechism that the Catholics go to for training from like five years old. And I remember going all the way up to when I was like 14 or 15, something like that. And I, I got a lot of good teaching from there, from the Bible, but I got a lot of different traditions that the Catholics like to throw in. Um, and I remember making a profession of faith you know, I think it was with uh, the confirmation thing. Um, when I was about 10 years old, I really, I really kind of didn't really know what I was doing, but I, I knew it kind of changed how, how I lived and how much I helped it at home with, um, with my sisters and all. Okay. And I did know that Jesus died for my sins on the cross, so I did accept that. But as I was reading the Bible, because, you know, you're not really um, encouraged to read the Bible, just listen to what the priest tells you and follow their little rules that I like to follow. But when I started reading the Bible for myself, I started noticing some differences in what the traditions being taught were and what the Bible said about things. And I said, that's not right, Dad. This is not what the Bible says. And he said, yeah, it's just, it's just tradition down the road. It's just the way we do things. Okay, but it's, is it really the way we should be doing things? Well, he thought so. <laughs> uh, but I think God's Spirit was leading me to know the truth of His Word. And He was teaching me the truth which did not agree with the Catholic traditions I had been taught. I, I learned that salvation was by faith through Christ, and it didn't have anything to do with, with any uh, works I did or taking care of the, you know, the, um, what are the sacraments that are so important to Catholics. And I said, why do I have to go to the priest to confess my sins? Because I can go straight to God. Straight to God. Um, so I did. I quit going, <laughs> just quit going to tell the, the priest all my sins. I just went straight to God. And I wondered, why did I put so much faith in one man, the Pope? A man is not perfect. He makes errors. So why is he God's, the authority on, on earth? We're all not perfect. He's not perfect. So, you know, that's, that doesn't make any sense to me. 
<clears throat> and I found out that I was a saint. So I said, so why do the, does the Pope and people have to nominate saints um, and approve them by the, you know, the, what do they call it? The Cardinals, Board of Cardinals. We're all saints. So God revealed all this to me, you know, when I was a teenager, in teenage years. Probably went around 16 to 18. I waited a couple of years before I went off to college. And there's a big reason why I did that. Um, <clears throat> okay, where was I? Okay. So, um, when I was about, um, I went off to college in 1973. I was around 20 years old. And it was amazing how God um, revealed to me what he wanted me to do with my life. And I was kind of trying to figure it out. That's why I was just working and earning some money and not knowing what I was going to do. And one day my sister was, we were in the, in the house, and my sister was saying, oh, I'm going to be trained as a physical therapy aide at the, at the hospital. And I thought, ooh, that sounds interesting. That sounds like it's something I want to do. And my mom said, well, apply to schools. And I applied to four or five schools, and all the schools I really wanted to go to, I didn't get accepted at. The one that I thought was not the one I wanted to go to was in a big city, and I wasn't a big city kind of person, was the one I was accepted at. So I had to hop on a bus and go from Maine all the way to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. But um, God had his, had his plan for that too, um, because I was just a baby Christian. I didn't really know what I, uh, much about the scripture. <clears throat> but I had to go there to be a physical therapist, but I had to also meet Becky, the love of my life that God provided, because the circumstances for our meeting, we should never have gotten together. Because she was going after my roommate, and uh, I just happened to be in our room at the right time, because she was going to change majors and change schools. And she called our room to tell my roommate that she was accepted at the other school, and I answered the phone. Uh, I usually spend uh, like 10 or 15 minutes at most on a phone call. And we talked for like two or three hours <laughs> on the phone. And we just started doing things together. And we went home for the summer. And she came to visit. And the rest is history. <laughs> um, it, it, that phone call basically changed the rest of our lives. And I believe God was in control of that too. And leading us to be together. Because in the time, that was 49 years ago. And we've been married for 47 of them. So uh, we have both grown tremendously in our faith and walk with Christ as a team during that time over the years. Um, God knows what, what we should do and, and what's best for us. And, you know, through all the process, um, we've helped each other grow. And that's the way it should be. And including having kids a little earlier than Becky wanted to have kids. Um, it was at the right time. And kids are a, a, a lot of work, but a, a, but a blessing too. And you have to understand, we had to understand that it wasn't just them that were, that were supposed to train in the Christ, that they're going to train us how to follow Christ more too. That's how, that's how life works. Okay. And, and you know, over the years I've learned to trust God for everything and have faith in times of trouble, because that's when God causes me to grow the most. And the most uh, memorable things are, of course, kids is one of them. 
that took a lot of work to get to get that going and um, get through that. But uh, three, six sisters was a good training for three daughters. <laughs> it really was. Um, but the other big thing was when we had a, a, our dream home we built up in Kelsey, California, not too far from Placerville. And two days before Christmas in 2011, we had a house fire and it was destroyed. But God, in his mercy and his providence, gave us a better house, closer to town. Um, and boy, we sure had to depend on him going through that. And it's a really humbling thing to have happen, but it's really, when you humble yourself, is when God causes you to grow. Yep. So slowly over the years, I've learned to surrender to God and let him be in control. God did give me a, a servant's heart because I was trained to help raise some of my sisters and help my mom with them. I've even gone out and found sheets that my mother hung up on the, after doing clothes in the middle of winter out in the field and tried to find a, a white sheet in the middle of a, you know, a snow drift. It's really hard. <laughs> but anyway... That's the, the key. You know, when, you, when you first become a Christian, you think, God's my Savior. But as you grow in Christ, you find out, no, he's just not my Savior. He's my Lord. And I do have to surrender to my Lord more and more as, as, as I grow in my faith. And that's what he's been teaching me um, ever since. And, you know, with a servant's heart, I've tried to be available to serve in many ministries over the years in churches I even viewed my profession as a physical therapist, um, as a ministry for Christ. Whenever the opportunity came up, I wasn't supposed to bring it up, but if it came up, we talked. We talked spiritual things. <clears throat> and it, it was very uplifting for me to try to sh share my faith, and they share their faith too. Along the way, I have been more willing to trust God's leading while he takes me out of my comfort zone. We all like to be in our comfort zone, but sometimes God wants to take us out of our comfort zone that, so that we can more trust in him. Um, and, you know, we serve in, mo in, in unexpected ways over the years. I never thought I'd do half the ministries I've been because I didn't think I had the gift to do it. Um, <clears throat> and the most recent and most challenging was being asked to be chaplain at El Dorado um, County Jail because, I mean, a trained physical therapist, what kind of training is that to be a chaplain at a jail? <laughs> But I just learned that um, that uh, the training we had, we also had been teaching Bible study at the jail for several years before that. And that has really trained me how to really handle God's word and try to let the Spirit lead me and where to get the information to teach to the people who are seeking, who are seeping, seeking Christ. So that's been a real blessing, although it's been a real challenge. But by doing this, God has grown me in studying his word and teaching others from his word. If you really want to grow and build your skills in that area, just do it. I mean, that's, that's the best way to learn is just do it. So I, we just did it. We, by faith, just went out, stepped out in faith, and we just did it, even though we didn't really know what we were doing. But, you know, when Paul says in Second, second Corinthians... He says, um, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And what does that mean to me? It means that I'm weak, I don't have the ability to do it, but with God helping me, 
I can do all things. I can do anything he's asking me to do. All I have to do is be available for it. <clears throat> and um, when you do share the gospel over and over again with, with people at the jail, and some of them think they are Christians, and but they don't have the, the life, um, you got to help them to question if they really have made that commitment because it's really a heart change. Have you changed your heart? And some of the inmates, when you say, has God changed your heart? They said, I don't even know what that means. I have no idea what that means. And you, to try to explain what that means, it's really hard because the they have to be avail ready to let the Spirit come in and change their heart so they will be able to understand everything. <sighs> anyway. But... One big thing that it's really helped me with is having compassion for those people. Because one thing they all have in common, they have a horrible upbringing. They have been abandoned by their parents, divorces. They've been abused uh, physically, emotionally, sometimes even sexually. And they've retreated into drugs and alcohol. And they need to try to convince them to stop that kind of behavior and rely on crisis is a big, big challenge, but um, I think I feel led that God wants me to try, and some of them sometimes will even be successful in that. But one thing has taught me is how to have compassion, more than I ever thought that I could ever have. I need to have God's compassion. To do that, I realized that I had to stop being their judge but to leave that to God because I'm not qualified to be the judge. God's the only one that's qualified to be the judge. My job is to present the gospel to them, and that's what I'm trying to, to get. And there's four things that I do when I go there. That God's really taught me to do these things. <clears throat> only four things really matter. Be available, even if I don't think I have the gift. So just show up for duty, and God can lead us to do that. And James 1, 19-20 tells us to listen more than speak. So I try to listen more than I speak and lean on leading of God's Spirit when to interject something for them. But I think the biggest thing is letting the people that I talk to know how much God loves them and then showing them that you love them and care about them too, even though they have some pretty bad backgrounds. <clears throat> I think the love is the thing that's really going to change people's hearts if they see Christ in me. And that's what I try to do, is let them see Christ in me. And that's not anything that I'm doing, it's Christ in me. If it was up to me, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> I'd be still in bed. <laughs> uh, that means I have to get myself out of the way. And finally... The obligation to speak the truth of God's word in love and let the Holy Spirit take it from there. It's not up to me to convert them. It's up to the Holy Spirit to convert them. And I realize that love is the fulfillment of the law. That's what it says in um, Romans 13, 8 to 10. And God's taken us on this wonderful journey for together for 47 years as we each tried to us, helped us each other grow in our faith and go through a lot of things that's challenged us, but in relying on God like Paul did, he'll grow us. So my goal, uh, with God's help, is to learn to humble myself and let God use me so he can exalt me in every situation and, and people can see him. Yep. And it's a journey. 
that hasn't ended yet and won't until I die or Christ comes back. But I need to just trust Christ and enjoy the adventure that he's having us on. So just consider your faith and your journey in Christ an adventure. And let God, I always tell the inmates, I'm going to end with this. I always tell the inmates, if you're driving the car of your life, you're going to steer off and hit the tree or turn the other way and go over the cliff. So let God drive the car of your life and you can stay on the road that you're supposed to. They all have a lot of trouble with that, but I have to, I have to also uh, follow what I teach too. <laughs> let God be in control of the car of my life so I can stay on the road and, and fulfill what his purpose is for me. Thank you. Thank you.